When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back for part two. Our football experts are here with Matt and myself, uh, Cam Teague of the Courier Journal, Keith Wynn of Card Chronicle. Uh, Matt alluded to it there at the end of the first part here of our series with uh, Louisville being picked by the media to finish six. Cam, you were there. Help me get my head around this, man, because I, I know I'm a Louisville fan and I've been a fan my entire life and I can always find a reason why Louisville is going to be the best at everything. But how in the hell did they end up voted six? I just don't get it. Yeah, I have no clue. I had them, like Matt said, I had them third on my ballot um, behind NC State and Clemson. My, my biggest thing, I guess I can I, I flip flop between third and fourth with Boston College. Cause I really like Boston college off the line. I think they're going to be pretty good offensively. I don't know how they'll be defensively, which is why I give Louisville the nod. Boston college real right. quick has been a bit of a wild card. Some people are really high. Some yeah. people are really low on. Them. Hey, I think, buy I, stock I think it, and Phil Jerkovich right now. Yeah. If you can buy stock, yeah. buy stock. I, I think my, my thing for the Louisville and being six is I think everybody knew Syracuse is going to be last. The three Florida state Wake Forest, Louisville was where I was worried they were going to be at somewhere. I think I told Mark Ennis, I think they thought they'd be four or five, six. Um, I just don't understand how they're below Wake. I mean, I understand Wake brings a lot of guys back, but they beat the beat out beat the the breaks off. Wake okay, Forest. all right. Let me just ask you this: Sam Hartman yeah. is their quarterback, right? Right. Is he? Yeah. So Malik Cunningham, Louisville. I'm gonna just go off of this alone. You tell me, Sam Hartman and Wake Forest can be better than Malik Cunningham and Louisville? I, I'm I mean, just, they do have Jacoby Robinson. He is okay. he is yeah, an All AC I mean, type receiver. I get right. it. I just I just don't see it like that. Yeah. That's North Carolina bias to me. Well, and Louisville beat them pretty handily without Tutu and without Hawk and with a with a center who didn't play center. Um, and I think Florida State also and they, beat, they beat the breaks out of Florida State. I think I think you have to remember with ACC media days and preseason polls, those polls are done by credential media. So Florida State always sends a ton of people. Wake Forest is no, it's a North Carolina <laughs> bias type thing. I think now Wake Forest year in year out is always somewhere around five, six, seven. So maybe there's not too much of a bias there, but I, I, I just don't know how anyone who didn't have any kind of bias there picked those two teams over Louisville. I, I want to know who voted Georgia Tech to win the league. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> All right. So I got a worse than Georgia Tech winning the league. Keetro Clark not it's being awesome. an all yeah. 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 kind of gives it a little bit of like you, you take the whole thing with a grain of salt, right? right. Yes. I mean, yep. there, are, there are other guys, and I, and I, and I, I think that, you know, you, you got to stay away from being a homer to a certain point. And I think I'm pretty good about that personally. You know, I don't think that I'm not going to sit here and say that Malik's the best quarterback in the league. I don't think that people should just trust that Louisville's running backs are going to be great, even though right. we have such a small sample size. Keetro Clark was the best corner in the league last year. Yes. Yeah. So he mm -hmm. should be a first team all, all ACC prediction. Yeah. What comes in the fact is that, you know, you got guys like, uh, you know, Grimes out in North Carolina, who was a five-star best player in the country you know really high level player who played well as a freshman but is he really is he did he have a better season than Keetro Clark yeah. no so 
know, you have those things. And, and, and I think to, to Cam's point, it's a credentialed vote. You have people who come in with a mindset that, hey, I think this guy's better than this guy, even though have they really done the, the research? Have they done the work? And I don't think that's the case. And, and so you kind of take it with a grain of salt. I, I was thinking about it on the way home from work because I was thinking about the fact that, you know, a guy like Keith Joe Clark, who's obviously, you know, plays with the mindset. You can see it in the way he plays. He, he has a high opinion of himself. He thinks he's a great player. You can see that in his game. You know, if I'm Brian Brown, I'm sitting on that Thorpe Award oh, yeah. watch list mm-hmm. and saying, this is what you're really shooting for. Yeah. You know, you know, don't worry about, you know, not being that all-ACC guy. You've got a chance. You know, Louisville's have, you know, you have the ability to be a Thorpe Award winner yeah. here at, AC, at, at Louisville. You know, go out and win that award because I think that he is a type of player that we saw last year that, you know, he's not giving up very many completions. He's got some of those those advanced numbers really show. And the touchdown he gave up was essentially a fluke. You know, yeah. it, it was a, you know, lucky, a one-handed catch where he fell down this and the other. Outside of that, the guy just killed it, you know. So I think that that's, that's part of this. I get that, you know, this is what the summer's for. You know, these are what these award lists are for and all those things like that is to, to drum up conversation. But it's really hard to take it seriously that, you know, Louisville's ranked six in the preseason poll when their top player can't get the respect from the from the voters and uh, when he really deserved it. And I, and I think, and to be fair, Catcho Clark was the one person I put on my corner list right away. I, I mean, the AC loading corners, you're talking Jermaine Waller. I mean, the, the duck kid from Miami, there's a lot of people who are really good at corner. I had never even thought that Clark wouldn't be on the list. That was my number one pick. My number, my next pick was Booth or Tony Grimes. I went back and forth on those two. Um, so, I, but I think you have a lot of people who see Louisville's four and seven. They didn't watch him last year. And you see, you see Andrew Booth all the time. You see, you see Tony Grimes because those two teams are supposedly supposed to win the ACC. And I think people just threw him on the list. And it's, okay. And like like I said, you don't have people who think this through all the time. These aren't credentialed media people who are at every game. It's just people who show up to an event and blog, uh, whether they blog women WNBA or they just want to show up to something. They don't. I mean, they don't really pay attention to stuff. Right. Yeah, and, and I'm sure some cognitive bias came in because it's Clemson and UNC that yeah, the guys exactly. got voted. Yeah, but let me let me jump in here, Matt. We talked about this at the very beginning of the uh, of the podcast when we looked at some of the advanced stats. His advanced stats. If you go look at the the place he gave up over 20 yards and uh, you know some of the the big play stuff, it's it's non-existent. He gave up nothing. What I think hurts him, and Matt, we've talked about this, and you you agreed, is the lack of interception. Like, I, I know that that's like kind of petty, but when you look at vanity stats and you go and you look at these guys, like it's right. just not there for him. And he's not a name brand. Yeah. And, and he had all those passive deflections, and you have to be happy that he's getting, cause we had this conversation before. Yeah. He didn't have interceptions, but be happy that he's getting in place to make the interceptions. He's just, he's not coming down with the ball. And I think a lot of people who kind of look at face value stats, will see that, Oh, he had one interception or something. He's not that good, but they kind of, throw it to the, the 10 pass deflections to the wind when that's an indicator like hey he's in the right spot and yeah. when you're looking at a defensive back you want that more than anything at that point you just have to make just get the ball so here's quick quick expansion on that point because I, I think this is a good opportunity to point out this is where i'm really excited about greedy vance and the potential of chandler jones to take us to game the next step global's defense is really the the cornerback position is such a huge factor because if you can lock down those outside guys you can allow the pass rush to get there, and you can you can really bring pressure and put your guys on an island. One of the things we saw last year, especially late in the year, was Clark was always that guy, and he was always he made the pass harder. 
you know, right? Your 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 quarterback had to put that ball on the money, or the complete is not made. We started to see Marlon character do the same thing late in the season and really force quarterbacks to be extremely accurate. And then even if they were accurate, he made that catch so much harder to make. What we what the big thing this year I think is and and where you, you I think the focus is going to be on Chandler Jones as Greedy Vance is who can be that guy. Who can be Clark on the other side where, you know, it is a situation where, hey, they're bringing pressure, quarterback gets the ball off, but the throw has to be perfect. And that's where this defense takes that next step. And that's why that position to me is so important because you know that Clark is not necessarily always going to make the interception. He might not even get a PBU, but he's going to make sure that ball has is, is got to be right on the money or, you know, the quarterback's rushing the throw because he knows the pressure's in his face and, and that throw has to be there because he's got a tight window and it's sailing over the receiver's head or is being thrown off off target or maybe he's putting forth the effort that doesn't show up in the stat sheet. Yeah, exactly. It's, They're it's, just as important as those stats that we do see. And in Control in Clark, he was so good at that. And you don't always see that. And they need a guy on the other side of the field that could be like Marlon Character was because he worked himself into a free agent pickup where, you know, he might make that roster based on the, those late games, in my opinion, at least. I think from, you know, a standpoint of the, the ACC ballots and, uh, you know, the players and, and lack thereof, I, I, it's interesting to hear the credential point because I never really took that into consideration. But to me, which, again, I go back to I've been a fan my whole life and I the bias is there. It just feels like Louisville's been kind of written off. And I get it when you're four and seven, your quarterback throws 12 interceptions. You have two guys that get drafted in the top three rounds at wide receiver and you can't win more than four games. I get it. But it just doesn't feel like anybody's really kind of taking Louisville seriously. And maybe that's a good thing right now. Yeah, and I, like I said, I, I think the credential thing is really – specifically with the preseason stuff is important to note because, I mean, this is no disrespect to anybody's there, but I, I think there was – there's like – I think I remember just those the only one that comes off my head. There's a three point expansion blog. I don't know what that is, but it sounds like a basketball blog. Does that not sound like a basketball blog to you? Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> like unless I, it's a blog about field goals, right? Exactly. But <laughs> I remember them being on like basketball pressers for for stuff before. So I just I, I think it's important to know a lot of these people aren't college football experts, as like some of the and it's important. No, these are only one team. You know, there's there's yeah. preseason poll, the preseason teams are only one group of guys unlike the postseason ones. Um, but I, I do agree. I, I, I think people are down on Louisville. I think, but I think, you know, to be fair, I think Louisville's coaching staff wouldn't have it any other way. I, I think they want to use that as motivation, same way they did in 2019, um, and, try, and try to surprise a lot of people. And I think that's going to be such a, it, it's, it sounds so silly, right? I mean, but when it comes down to it, you need every, every advantage you can get as a coach, you're going to take. And if it's just telling guys that, hey, everybody thinks you guys suck, and you can just say that over and over again, it, yeah. it, it works. I mean, you know, you know, anybody that's been in any kind of situation, this is even athletics, just in general, feeling like, hey, people think you're not, you're not at the level you need to be, and you have somebody kind of constantly reminding you of that, you're going to do – you're going to work harder. You're going to push forward. And at the same time, it just makes your speeches easier to make, right? If you're Mike Siriano right now, you're constantly you. The rest of the summer, they're gonna hear that everyone thought you're gonna finish last. And he was like, probably sitting there hoping they got six or seven. <laughs> yeah. Right. You're going back to 2019 because, yeah, I promise you, they were drilling that in those guys' heads yeah. nonstop, and it worked. Those guys came out against Notre Dame and punched those guys in the mouth. I mean, they really did. They showed up ready to play, 
in a in a game that no one expected them to even compete in. And, you know, it changed the way the whole season went. Maybe we see the same thing. There's plenty of guys on the roster that are there. There are plenty of guys that are new to the program that want to say, hey, we're, we're not letting this program backslide. All that stuff is, is – it, it factors in. It sounds so silly. It sounds so cliche, but – it seems to work to an extent it works it does work and you there was a lot to go back to some of the players talking at media day i thought i heard a fair amount of accountability talk from every from a lot of the guy i mean from all three of them they talked about especially yeah especially malik yes absolutely and cj avery to an extent they talked about wanting to to be a player driven program and, and really drive the leadership train there not rely on coaches and um, the, you know, the, the, the adults, as you would say, to kind of guide the ship when in reality, the players are the ones that are out there on the field. They know best. They really can um, kind of lead from a different perspective. And I thought that was a good thing because last year, it just seemed like some of the body language stuff was off with Louisville. And it's a COVID year. It's a weird year. You know, it's already you, you, you're struggling with a lot of what's going on around you. But it just seemed like that, that a lot of the players weren't on the same page. So if, it's, it's really good from, from my perspective to hear that. Um, and they really drilled that in. So, I, you know, when you talk about – go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Think about it this way. You think about the leadership aspect of Louisville's football program. Two of the guys in their, in their, you know, the group of 10 thing that they do, the, mm. the guys that lead the program, at least I believe, or at least two guys that I noticed are big-time leaders in the program, are backups. You have Evan Conley, who is a backup, a guy who hasn't been able to build. He's one of the known leaders on that program. He's, the, he's one of the guys that's pushing the program forward. You have Ryan Chalifo, who's also a leader on the program, who might not see the field again. His, his will not see the field again. Uh, there's no. no shot unless someone breaks your leg. Right. And, you know, I think that a lot of these things, I, I think, get overlooked in a program that is not at that elite level. Yeah. But you look at Clemson over the last couple of years, one of their biggest leaders has been Darren Wrencher, a yeah. guy that is not – who was never going to be a star on that team. You, 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 I think we lose sight sometimes at the college level. You need guys who are completely 100% brought into your program. It's not about what the, it's, it sounds so, it's, I hate it. I hate the cliche stuff, <laughs> but you need those guys that are like, hey, I'm all about the program. I'm all about the name on the front of my chest. All I feel like stuff. I'm listening to a halftime speech in a sports movie right now. Right. It's insane, right? It's so it's it's almost frustrating for me because I'm like, God, this sounds so corny. But that's what you need. You need those guys that buy into the whole idea of what they're doing. And I think that as much as it as much as Scott Satterfield has kind of kind of killed his own momentum with some of the decisions he's made. Some of the the culture stuff that he sold when he got here is starting to kind of poke through where you see guys that are not going to see the field that are leaders. We saw that with Mark Mars Berkeley, and he finally got his, got his time to play. And we see that thing from guys from Marshawn Ford who are playing and earn their scholarship and whatnot. But there's a there's a there's a factor of those guys getting on the field, even though Berkeley was just a special teams guy until he got that opportunity. He still saw the field. Ryan Chalifo is not going to see the field. Evan Conley hasn't been able to get on the field consistently and he's potentially in a spot where they're kind of potentially recruiting over him. Who knows, but he still is hitting the, he's hitting it every day as a leader and you need those things. And I think that's where we're going to see the potential of that player led program stuff that we heard from day one kind of start to show itself on the field potentially. And, you know, that's one of those things though, that 
if that doesn't really take foot and we don't really see that take over, I think we see that in the win, win and loss column because, like you said, last year, yeah, there was a COVID year. There's, there's this, that, and the other. But there were some moments where you're like, I, I don't know if these guys are really showing up ready to play. And now we need to see that where, yeah, some guys are out, this, that, and the other. Do they really still step up or not? And I think we hopefully will see that this year. Yeah, we started to see it in those last couple of games against Syracuse and Wake Forest, especially that Wake Forest game when all those guys were out. I mean, you had Austin Collins, who had never played center before, and then a whole bunch of guys who were basically career backups or just had minimal experience at that point, and they dog-walked Wake Forest. I mean, you saw guys like Josh Johnson who hadn't been able to get consistent time on the field against – he comes in at Syracuse and he's, he doesn't skip a beat. Makes a couple catches out there ready to do his job. You, you need that type of stuff. Guys that, that feel like, hey, when it's my turn, I can step up and do what I'm supposed to do. And, you know, that, that it sounds so silly. I, I think all the way back – I don't know if you guys remember. I don't even remember the game that it was. But Louisville had a bunch of injuries at wide receiver. And Tiger Jones shows up in a game in, like, what, what was that, 99? 2000, 2001, something like that. And he makes, like, six catches in a game. And you're like, dude, this guy hasn't played his entire career. And – I think about stuff like that because I'm like, dude, I can't imagine being a career backup, finally getting my chance in a big game and be like, yeah, okay, it's my time to play. I think that's a thing where you look at the program and, you know, are you at a point where guys are are engaged and ready to go? Because when we look back on the Petrino years, at least in my opinion, when things got bad, they got awful. And there's a, there's a, there's a there's a disconnect there to me that yeah you might things start to go downhill and when they get really bad really quick your program's in a bad bad position i don't think louisville's there right now but i think that's that's a gauging point for us if if, if things get bad early in the season and these guys don't really aren't ready to step up i think that's kind of a bad bad sign for Satterfield. All right, let's go back to ACC Media Day here and just for a, a few minutes talk about the conference as a whole. The the conference uh, just in general right now, conferences in college football are obviously a big talk with Oklahoma and Texas leaving the Big 12 for the SEC. But, uh, Matt, anything from other coaches or um, other players that stood out to you? I mean, for me, I, I walked away. I, I watched a lot of Media Day, and for some reason, I guess NC State wasn't on my radar leading up to the to Media Day, and now I'm pretty sure Devin uh, Leary, I think is his name, might be my Devin favorite Larry, quarterback. Yep. Might be my favorite quarterback outside of uh, Malik Cunningham. I'm not sure why, but I watched I mean, him interview, and I thought he was really good. See, um, and what do you think, Matt? See, NC State is always one of those hard teams to read because when you think they're going to have a good year, they absolutely just crap the bed. And when you think they're going to have an awful year, they have a great year. I mean, that, that's pretty much been the story of their their program the last two years. And now it seems like they've, they've retained enough of the pieces from last year, minus a couple of guys that were drafted, where they, they could make some noise. But I, I, I don't think they're going to challenge Clemson, no. but I think they're going to finish second in the division for sure. Yeah. Anything else just from the conference that stood yeah. out to you? No, I think it pretty much wraps it up. Like I said, I spent most of that like on vacation trying to wrap it up. <laughs> so if you're going to ask that question, ask that to Cameron because he was the one that was actually there. Fair game. Fair, fair. Cam, what do you think? Um, yeah, no, I, I think it's I, – I love NC State this year. I love Devin Leary. I love Donovan Knight. I love the offensive line they have. I think Peyton Wilson's the best linebacker in the ACC. Um, I, but like you said, they don't, they don't challenge Clemson. Um, I think the biggest thing was uh, – um, Sam Howell talking. We got we got to talk about Bojangles for a little bit. 
and they actually served Bojangles. <laughs> okay. Lunch, so like, I mean, all right. So you, let's you, talk you about Bojangles. Let's talk about Bojangles. <laughs> There's been talk of Bojangles coming to Louisville for a while. The Steak and Shake over here off Westport Road is supposed to be the home for Bojangles. There's still no Bojangles here. I'm yeah. pretty sure it's, it does. Does it exist? I don't know. Is we need to get. I actually speaking. Just, I think it's the Steak and Shake over by the movie theater over there on what's that Hurstbourne? I think that's where Bojangles was going, right? I don't know. I just heard there's Bojangles. I just, and I've, I see I've ACC a, commercials, and it makes no yeah, sense to me. Yeah, I've got a quick Bojangles story. And this is when I was still covering Georgia Tech, and I decided I want to try and make at least one road game. And considering the location and the schedule, there weren't a ton of opportunities, but I could go to North the game at North Carolina. So, and it was only about a four or five hour drive. It wasn't that bad. So I decided to bite the bullet there. Drove to the Dean Dome, which is a fantastic facility. And I go to where they have uh, the media lunch and whatnot. It is a literal Bojangles buffet. And it was absolutely immaculate. It was delicious. It's, literally, it's the only good thing about Charlotte Airport is that they have a Bojangles in the airport. I hate that airport, but I love that. <laughs> oh, that airport's awful. The, the Charlotte Airport is Bojangles awful. in what Shelbyville a couple times now. So I mean, I'm willing to drive for it. I will say this: it's 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 just okay. It's not I mean, it's really not that great. It's 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 just it's it's good. It's not bad. I, I'm glad to hear that Cameron is Team Canes. I hear oh, enough Cane slander on Twitter. I, I won't slander Canes for personal reasons, but I'm not a fan of that either. But whatever. But I, I, I do, I do think getting Bojangles would be nice, just because it'd be a nice option. But I was, I was expecting more the first time I went. I'll say, I'll leave it at that. Okay, so outside of the Bojangles being served for the media cam, anything from the ACC expansion wise, new commissioner, or anything just as a as a conference that kind of stood out to you? Because it does feel like now that the SEC has made a move that everyone is kind of zeroing in on what the ACC is going to do. West Virginia yeah. feels like an obvious ad, but like what? Does it feel like they're going to do anything? No, my thing for the ACC is if you don't add Notre Dame, you can't add anybody. I mean, you can't add West Virginia just to add West Virginia. You're not bringing in any money. You can't add Clemson. Uh, you can't add. Uh, you can add Clemson. It's already there, but you can't add Cincy. I mean, because it doesn't bring in any money. If you're going to bring in somebody, you got to go get Notre Dame first. But it doesn't look like Notre Dame wants to go anywhere. I mean, the Big Ten wants Notre Dame too. So um, it's just if Notre Dame doesn't decide, okay, I'm sick of this independent stuff and I want to go play in the ACC. I don't think the ACC has anybody just to do it. It's just see, it, it, you have to prove you're serious about football, and getting West Virginia does not prove you're serious about football. I I, I don't completely agree with that because I was doing a little bit of research, and even if they add just one member, they they gives them the right to go to ESPN to kind of rework their TV distribution deal. So even if they don't get Notre Dame, I think the ACC would be happy to get like a Cincy or in a, a West Virginia just so they can get out of that god-awful television contract because they're lagging so far behind the rest of the Power Five. I know I've looked, I think it was two days ago, how the Big Ten makes like $55 million per school in revenue deals, and the ACC is, I think, 21.6 at the minimum. Like right, it's, think, it's, it's a nearly $30 million gap. I think part of the issue, though, is that, you know, even if you can go back to the negotiating table with the, with ESPN, if you're going back with Cincinnati, as yeah, it does nothing. Yeah. No. I don't know if they, I don't know. ESPN has a, has a little bit of leverage there. It's like, is this really what you're coming with? Like, right. I mean, Notre, Notre Dame, Notre Dame brings in 40 million. Like, yes. <laughs> it's just, I, I agree so with I you. Think that is a thing. If they can bring in Notre Dame and that dollar amount, who yeah. cares who's the other team, which is whether right. it's West Virginia or Cincinnati. Exactly. And and I think that's where they have to go with because, yeah, you bring in Notre Dame. I think the other aspect of it is that, you know, yeah, they're not the SEC, but they're not the SEC right now. 
Right. But you're at least kind of coming to the point where you can say, hey, we've got another playoff contender football right. program. And then obviously from the other sports, you know, which don't matter as much. And, you know, I know they kind of get left out in the cold in this whole conversation. Notre Dame brings a lot a lot from that aspect also. Yeah. So West Virginia is, yeah, they're, they're not, they're, they're, I think you're bringing a competitive team from a football standpoint, but realistically they don't want you don't need a competitive team you need a team that's going to go to the top of your to, to the right. top of your league which is what the sec is at least selling yeah. now you know oklahoma should go to the top of the sec texas is west virginia in this conversation from a competitive standpoint right now so you have to have at least one of those teams that can say that you can say hey this brings a top tier team to your pro to your to your conference and yeah west virginia and cincinnati is your two teams you're you're going backwards. Yeah, I agree. Uh, at least, you know, in my opinion, at least that's fair. Because I because unlike the conference realignment in 2011, it was all that was all about like geographic fit and whatnot. This time it's I think it's not the, this time was Pete. I think it was Peter Burns to the best. It's it's not a land grab. It's a brand grab. It's yeah. all about the money. And Texas, I mean, that makes sense for the SEC because I'm I was looking at it the other day, and Texas has a 30 billion dollar endowment. Yeah. That oil money hits different. I mean, we were just talking about it. I mean, right now, you know, and I, I think, you know, I haven't gotten to catch up on some of the reading I want to do, but I think one of the points that someone made, I think it was Chris Benini, is that we're talking about completely, I don't want to, I don't want to use the word ruin, but we are completely changing what college football is. It's, it's essentially what people thought NIL was going to do to college sports. We're doing that with college realignment right now because NIL doesn't change anything. I mean, all this is now is that guys are just going to get money while they're playing college football. This is what people thought NIL was going to do, which was ruin college football or completely change the way it's played. Well, now you have a super conference. And, yeah, that is what is going to change what everything about it, from a recruiting standpoint to, you know, how the championship is laid out and how that actually is competed. All of that is based on how your conferences are set up. And that's what's really going to drive this whole ruinous, ruination of college football, whatever it may be, while guys are just making mostly pocket change or at least living money, and a few guys are making really good money. That's not going to change anything with college football. The conferences are really going to change it. What is the biggest non-Clemson ACC storyline outside of expansion? I, I've kind of tried to rack my brain around this the last few days as I've planned for the episode. There's a number of different ways you could go here. Is North Carolina legit? Is FSU back? Is NC State the surprise team? Is Boston College the surprise team? What What is the ACC storyline? Because it feels like the ACC is kind of slipping and slipping really fast um, into being kind of a conference in football that's Clemson. And that's, I mean, that's it. Yeah, it's it's Clemson and a bunch of above average teams that have like a random good year here or there. Um, yeah. I, I think for me, I mean, I think everybody expects North Carolina to be good. For me, it's, is De'Aaron King healthy enough to carry Miami? Like, can can they really contend with North Carolina in that division? Um, that, that, that's my biggest thing because I think if he's healthy, um, he he's so good and so dynamic, and I, I think he could do a lot for that football team. Yeah, if, if it wasn't for Sam Howell, I think De'Aaron King would be the runaway favorite for preseason Player of the Year because he, it it kind of sucks for him because Sam Howell is so good that people kind of forget how good De'Aaron King is. And I, I really think – I know Miami has kind of been teetering on being quote-unquote back, so to speak, for a few years now. But I think this might be the year where they actually start to get the ball rolling in terms of being a true elite power in college football again. 
five view is North Carolina becoming the Georgia of the ACC, and I think they're going to do it. Interesting. I'm not you, joking. You, so when you I say that, is I that they are? I think they're Clemson light right now, and I think this is the. I think they're already ready to take that next step because I think they had a bunch of young guys last year that they played, and they were really high level players. And, and Max is pretty well. Place the guys. It's not fair. Lost. It's not fair. It's yeah. not fair. I wish we could I mean, recruit it. And here's fair. the other aspect of it is that not only do they have young guys they played last year, they were able to, they they had a ridiculous recruiting class with guys that are gonna be able to get on the field. This is how Clemson got to where they were. A couple veteran guys, especially on the offensive side of the ball, a couple veteran guys on defense, and you know, young guys that were high level recruits that they were gonna say, Yeah, we're gonna just play these guys. And I don't think that one of the things with North Carolina, Mac Brown gets a lot of credit. And that's cool. I think their coordinators are outstanding. And I think that is where they're going to be able to take that next step because those are the guys really running the offense and the defense. And as long as they're willing to play these young guys that are super athletic, very talented guys, the type of guys that Clemson has won with over the last handful of years, and you have a high-level quarterback, that's that's what that's the name of the game, right? You have to have a high-level quarterback to, to win anything. I think they're there, and I think they – I think they go out and dominate almost everybody in the conference, and we have a really big-time ACC championship game. And just like the SEC, where you always have Alabama, Georgia, and the, yeah, you know, the top, you know, Florida, and so on and so forth, I think they become – they take that step of being the Georgia of the ACC going forward. And would you all agree that Clemson is the most vulnerable they've been in years? I mean, I, I know they got a five-star quarterback. Every Just about every player at every position is like a five- or four-star guy. It's hard to to really, like, say they've taken a step back, but they're vulnerable, right? They don't have the quarterback, the running back. It's a different team. I think it's mainly because, like Keith said, I think North Carolina's built to beat them right now. Right. Uh, I, I think it's that North Carolina gets lucky that Trevor Lawrence is gone. They got a confident – they got a stud uh, – like, they got a loaded team, uh, confident quarterback in Sam Howell. Um, I just think they're built to beat them right now more than any team has been in the ACC for a while. Right, and, there's, and with and with Clemson, there's still a lot of question marks. Like you, like you said, they got a new QB, the running back's gone. And is Justin Ross cleared to play yeah, yet? Yeah, he is. And ho- but, hopefully he's he's so good to go. Get at him, you know? Yeah, you exactly. Know, he knows that. But I think the other thing with Clemson is that I wrote this years ago, and I, I probably tweeted it, but I might have wrote, wrote, wrote this and written this in a couple in a couple posts. I always said that I will start doubting uh, Brent Venables when he stops reloading every year. Well, you know what? Like last year, he didn't really reload the way we expected him to. This year, he's got his defensive linebacker with a bunch of young talent, but the linebackers were really not that great last year, and I don't know they really added the way they needed to. They lost a couple guys. Mike Jones is down at LSU now. One Who? Of their most Who? <laughs> I'm sorry. One I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We can't, Matt. We can't both do that, man. We yeah. sound so <laughs> lame when we both do it. Only one of us can do it. But I'm sorry. That, the timing was there. <laughs> I think that Andrew Booth is genuinely. I, I I agree. I think he is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. So I, you know, I, I you know, kind of go back to the point about you know Trey Clark. Yeah, I think that he deserved it. But it's not like the guys they picked weren't good. You know, I think Andrew Booth is, is super talented. He's got unbelievable ball skills. The rest of that secondary is very suspect. And, you know, with with when you go back to these last years, and even when they had some of the guys that weren't necessarily super talented, they were experienced guys, and you, you knew what you were getting. I think that last year they had guys out there that, you know, showed some flashes, but they were not highly talented players, and they got exposed. 
and I don't think they're going to have better players this year. So it's it's a real question of are they going to be able to develop those guys that maybe hit their ceiling? They're, they maybe are not that talented. And now you have question marks on the defense side of the ball, which is never good for Clemson because you just expect them to be good. And you have lots of questions on the offense. Offensive line is replacing guys. You have offensive weapons from a wide receiver position that are, are really kind of, we don't really know where we're going to get. And then the running back position is still a little bit, you don't have Travis Etienne anymore. As much as I like the guys they have, they're not proven like we've seen. So they are super vulnerable. And I think the other aspect is, you know, can they really put it together with the way that they run their system? They like to play tons of guys, get them experience, things like that. And they're completely fine with playing these close games, even though they don't want to rotate their offensive line and play freshmen and this and the other. What happens when they, they, they decide to do that and they slip? And I think that's, that's the potential this year with some with some other talented you know rosters they're going to play against and some other coaches that maybe figured out some things that that Clemson Clemson does on on a on a year to year basis. All right, let's end here. Uh, my wife is currently calling me back in, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap this podcast back up. I just want to let you know when your nine month pregnant wife tells you it's time to be done, you're done with football talk. So I, <laughs> Keith, you know what I'm talking about, yeah, right? Exactly. You okay with that? <laughs> yeah. well, I was, well, I was sitting next to me on the couch, same same boat. So yeah. So let me wrap up here because I, I I'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about the depth chart. I know. Uh, for guys like Matt and myself and Keith, content junkies that are constantly just wanting to find something to talk about and discuss, the depth chart is cool. But for most people, it doesn't really matter because it's not really set. Cam, anything interesting on there that you found? I just for the three of us, for the three of you guys, I just want to find what what was interesting to you because let's just like not be let's be realistic. What that says means nothing when the games start. But so what what is interesting about that depth chart? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was inter- I was interested. Um... I guess mainly in just where the where the where the um, freshmen were. I mean, I I knew I'd heard that they were moving Quinn to linebacker. I didn't know how quickly they were doing that, or if they did that, or if they were going to do that in fall camp. Um, I was interested to see where they put Ben Perry at. I think it makes sense to start him as strong safety right now. I do think when Terry Cole will take over that spot by the time at fall camp ends, and I think Jacquez Turner will take over nose by the time fall camp ends. Um, I think they just put them there because, I mean, they haven't practiced yet. They've not been there Yeah, It's not yeah, fair yeah. to put guys who haven't been there all season in the first right. spot, right? right. Yeah, that's right. exactly how I felt. Um, you know, that, that's yeah. kind of how I felt, too, with defensive line. But go ahead, Cam. Yeah, no, other than that, I think everything else is pretty much as I expected. Um, I think some stuff may change in fall camp. I'm more interested to see how the wide receiver depth chart shakes out because um, I think there's about five guys who I think could be in the rotation. I'm just curious how they – how they decide they want to work that. I don't, I don't know if it matters who starts. I think it matters who gets in and, and what type of formations they get in at. Right. And for me, the, the most kind of surprising bit was how the, the defensive line kind of shaked out. I kind of mentioned that. I saw that Jacques Turner was at third, but like you said, he's late to join the program compared to everyone else. Uh, Jelani, second string behind Yayi Diaby, that doesn't really surprise me, but it's, it's crazy to see the development he's had. Mason Riger being listed on the three deep ahead of guys like Shadarian Boykin, that kind of surprised me a little bit. And even more surprising was the fact that Ramon Perrier, another walk-on, is going to be high school baby. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Is starting <laughs> over to Barrius Peterson. That I, I know that they've yeah, been really I, high on Perrier, but yeah, that I, kind I, of I, threw me off a little bit. Ivy loves Perrier and Riger. Oh my goodness, he loves those two. Yeah, I think those. I think especially the defensive line spot, they've shown, Mark Ivey's shown that, hey, I'm going to play the guys that I feel work the hardest, 
do do what I do what they do what they're asked to do, and you know that's how we ended up with Dana Kennard as a starter two years ago. You know, they he he rewards that hard work, and I think that's the proper way of going and going about it when you have a rotation, is that you want to make sure you reward the guys that work the hardest because you're going to play all those guys. You know, those all those guys are going to play, and you've got to find a way to get guys like Jadarian Boykin develop to the point where he becomes the guy that we expect him to be. But if he's not there. You got to find guys that are going to be there, and you know a guy like Ashton Gelati, who's you know we talked about earlier. Yeah, if he if he's the guy, if he's if he's playing at that higher level, he's practicing at that higher level. You got to make sure you reward those guys. So, for me, I mean, I think you know Ben Perry was a big thing, big big surprise to me. Not a surprise, but something I didn't expect. Only because I expected him to play that free safety spot and Braylon Oliver to be in that strong safety spot, based on just their high school, you know the what the way they played. You know, strong safety spot is typically supposed to be more of a guy that would cover the slots and the tight ends and whatnot and play on the wide side of the field. So you would kind of expect Oliver to be there as a guy who played corner in high school. This this is what I expected, at least. So that was a little bit, you know, I I didn't really expect that, but I think that all those guys are going to play. They're going to have to. And I'm really, my thing is the, the, how do we, what do we see now compared to what we see in the fall? And what I hope to see is those guys, and some of these freshmen are still in the two deep, and then we actually see them on the field. You've yeah. got to play these young guys. They, they, I, I thought they erred in not playing some of these young guys last year. Um, you know, specifically guys like a like a Lovey Jenkins. You know, not with the program anymore, but obviously showed that he can do it. Greedy Vance showed that he can play at this level, even though he didn't have the size yet. You, you've got to get these guys on the field because when it comes down to it, you've got to build that depth so that when things happen when you have an injury you're not relying on a guy that either a is young and hasn't played or a guy that's a veteran that shows that he's not at the level you needed them play at and you've got to play the guys that you feel like are going to develop down the road at some point and I think they 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 missed some opportunity there last year I hope that we see something better this year with that they've got guys like Travion Cooley in the four deep at running back when they typically didn't do that before They've got some guys, guys like Amari Huggins-Bruce in the two deep right now. You, If you're going to put those guys in there now, especially these guys that got here early, you've got to yeah. be able to, like, I, I would love to understand if they're not in the two deep in the fall, what what happened? You know, or, or was that just a ploy to get those guys to work harder or have they regressed or have other guys stepped up and, and passed them? Because if that's not the case, you, you, why are we not playing these guys that have really shown the promise through spring and fall? Why are we, or spring, sorry, spring and summer, why are we not seeing them in the fall? Uh, as much as I defended the, the staff for not playing a bunch of young guys last year, this year especially, they don't have anything but young guys. So play them, get them out there on the field, right. especially in depth situations where it's a rotation. It's, you know, after a few drives, giving a couple of guys a, a, a rest, get those guys on the field and let those guys learn a little bit on the fly. All right. This has been quite the time here. I got to tell you guys, just sitting here and listening to this, I feel like I should be paying listening to you guys talk about football <laughs> because I don't belong in this conversation. Matt and I are two guys that never played football that are talking football, giving our opinions. It's great to listen to this. Um, make sure you guys are following Keith and Cam. Cam, I have been – following along extremely closely to the top 25 rankings that you and Dominique Gates are doing great stuff. there. looking super forward to seeing your number one player. Uh, any insight you can provide on what's left and what you've got covered for the, for the rest of the fall leading up to the, to the start of the season, man. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was just finishing up uh, the top five or going into the top five. Um, I got, I mean, I, I, I have Hassan Hall pretty high on my list. I, I just think, I think he has to get back to 2019 form, whether that's just Louisville needs to expose a guy out of the backfield. Uh, I love Jalen Mitchell, but the, I think they just have to have that. And I think he needs to get back to form and kick returning as well. It just adds to to what they can do. Um, and then, I mean, just a, just a lot, a lot of camp coverage. I got to, um, hopefully, I saw Malik running tomorrow. I did a really deep dive on the offensive line and like how, I mean, they went from like, they couldn't put a two deep together two years ago to now they yeah. potentially have like 10 guys who they think they could play, um, which I think will run sometime this week. So um, just, I mean, I'm just really looking forward to camp. I'm ready to get back to writing football every single day. Keith, what about you, man? I know you, you've got a lot going on in your personal life. You and I both, we've been bonding over that recently. Uh, you've been watching games. I hope that's not for no reason, man. Like tell me you've got something good coming up for having to watch hours and hours of torture. <laughs> So I've been – so right now the focus on is I'm getting a head start on previews. I've got uh, – previews won't drop until like mid-next month, but I'm I'm our, I'm starting on them because I obviously have lots of stuff going on personal-wise and obviously have a, a new kiddo joining the, uh, joining the family uh, right when the season starts. So I figured I should start writing that stuff that I know needs to hit the website, but I do have some ideas on – doing some things on, you know, film breakdowns on, on the things I'm seeing from last, last year that I think that Louisville could easily improve on. So, you know, one of the things I've noticed is that, you know, just rewatching these games and kind of going back to nine months past is that there are a lot of just really key moments in games where a, a break happens here or there and Louisville's looking at that record being flipped over. So uh, I'm trying to work on something there where I can kind of focus on you know, two years ago, I think they had those those breaks go their way. Last year, those breaks went the other way. And kind of focusing on that, because I think that Louisville's in a better position as a program right now than I think most people most people see. You know, four and seven is four and seven. Yeah. And, you know, preseason sixth place is partially because of the fact they went four and seven. Well, I think there are some key moments there that happened last year that you, you flip those around, and Louisville's looking at a completely different record. So, you can kind of notice in that there's this really it's extremely frustrating rewatching last season. I will point that out because a lot of this stuff was silly, you know. Uh, so I'm 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 doing that right now. I'm redoing. I'm watching the Wake Forest game right now and seeing some of that potential that I think I saw last year, and, and it's pretty obvious. So working on that. Hopefully that'll be part of the whole preview. And and looking forward to like like Cam. I'm looking forward to getting back to writing every week, man. It's it's a lot of fun. I love doing this, and it's 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 a good time to do so. Yeah, we've got a lot of interesting perspectives here from the football side. Obviously, Cam, Keith, and Matt, Louisville Report, Sports Illustrated. Matt is covering breaking news like nobody else in the business for Louisville fans. Check out the State of Louisville Network uh, for the podcast, stateoflouisville.com. Appreciate you guys hopping on with us and, and spending your nights talking football. This is quite the investment here, a couple of hours, but really appreciate you guys. And uh, football's here. It's finally here, right? Finally. Almost there. We're almost there. Can't wait. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.